Welcome to a brand new edition of Yuans. I'm Omar Moore. Birmingham 1, Watford 1. Stalemate at St. Andrews. Troy Deeney returns against his former club, but does not score and does not win. Honours even in the end. And on this episode, the focus is, of course, Birmingham Watford. On this brand new edition of And still undefeated championship club of the league. Watford FC, the Golden Boys. Yuuuuds. Greetings again and welcome to this brand new edition of the Yuans podcast. Omar Moore here. And yes, as Michael Buffer might say. Still undefeated Watford Football Club after four games in the championship. Yes, it's early doors. Of course, it's early doors. We know it's early doors. And then early becomes kind of late. And hopefully we will continue this rich vein of form as long as we can. And hopefully by the end of this season, we will be in one of the top two spots. Well, after this game tonight, Birmingham against Watford, we are in third place. That's where we are at present at the time of the recording of this podcast episode, this latest podcast episode. Add welcome to it here on Yawns. I have to say that the match between Birmingham and Watford was a lively affair. Watford dictating the pace and the tempo and the orchestration of possession. I think they finished up with around 70%, 70% of the possession. Watford did dominate the open spaces in much of the first half, and it was a commitment for Birmingham, who were playing at home in the ground of St. Andrews, to sit back and defend and allow Watford space and challenge Watford to try to break down their defence. And, you know, Watford had so many chances early in the game, it looked as if it was going to be one of those nights. They just couldn't convert those chances. And really, that is what cost them all three points in the game tonight. They had numerous chances. Vakun Bio, his uh, debut start for Watford, did not go well after the first 15 minutes. Well, he missed after 14 minutes of play, ahead of dead red, a sitter. And he headed it to the wrong side of the post. And I don't know how he did. There was so much goal to aim at. It was absolutely miraculous that Fakun Bayo did the most difficult thing. And that was to head it away from the goal, which is exactly what he did. Uh, it was incredible. That was a sitter and a half. That was a sitter times 10. And Fakun Bayo, for some reason, could not put it in the back of the net. Well, look, Fakun Bayo will get better. I certainly believe he will. Obviously, um, he would have to play a lot better than he did tonight. But look, um, there are going to be games like this in the championship where you dominate a team but don't get much to show for it. There's already been one that Watford have been involved in. You know that from last week and also in the Midlands at West Bromwich Albion where West Bromwich Albion 
just beat us from pillar to post and they only came out of there with a point. So I guess these things do indeed even out in the end and it happened to Watford in the game tonight. But before I get to how it happened, as I said, Vakun Bio missed a sitter on the 14th minute in the game and it really was one of those nights Watford kept knocking on the door uh, but Birmingham would not let Watford in. In fact, there were a couple other chances that Watford had and they looked very lively. It was a 3-5-2 formation that Robert Edwards reverted to following the three-match suspension of Hassan Kamara, the injury to Tom Cleverley, he's got an Achilles problem, not sure when he'll be back, and the absence of Ismail Saw and Saw. Who has been? Who we've been told has a mild hamstring injury, is expected is expected as of now to return for the Preston match on Saturday for the visit there. But of course, we've also since heard that Crystal Palace have come in and are looking to open negotiations and perhaps have, in fact, by the time you listen to this, have in fact uh, begun negotiations. They may well have done with Crystal Palace with uh, Ismail Assar to have his services. Now, uh, we'll see how much that asking price is going to be. And that may change, it may not change, whatever the price is going to be at present. But I think that what you're going to end up seeing is Ismail Asar heading off the Crystal Palace before we even get to Saturday. Stay tuned on that. May talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes' time. But I do want to get to how this match unfolded. It was a 3-5-2 from Rob Edwards. And you have that back three that has been quite solid so far overall. Cavacelli, Sierra and Cathcart, I think all of whom played very well tonight, particularly uh, Sierra Alta. I like the way he anchored um, that back three. He looked like he was very much in control. I think he was the middle of that back three, perhaps, but the or maybe on the right side of it, whichever. But he played very well. He did make the mistake, though, just a few minutes after Vakun Bio's miss, that let Birmingham in for their goal for the first time this season. Watford trailed in a match in the championship and the error was Sierra Alta's. He did not properly close down Scott uh, Hogan. Hogan was able to kind of breeze by him like no one's business. And um, really, it was very easy for Hogan to get past Sierra Alta. Sierra Alta did not keep up with his man there. Hogan's in behind then he cuts the ball back in much the same way that Ken Semmer did last Friday for Tom Cleverley. And the ball found George Hall, who made no mistake, scoring uh, from around seven or eight yards out into the uh, bottom right-hand corner past Daniel Bagman. Uh, again, it's almost a carbon copy of the goal that Tom Cleverley scored on Friday last, and except it was on the other side of the goal. Um, that was it. Birmingham led 1-0. First time, as I said, Watford have trailed in a game this season in the championship. Uh, Watford were undaunted. They came back strong a few minutes later, almost scored. It was a clearance off the line from Sanderson that kept it 1-0. Watford had that kind of a night. And that's what I was wondering as I talked about this on social media at WFC on Twitter and Instagram. And I wondered if this is going to be that kind of night for Watford. And for much of this first half of the game and even into the second half, it seemed like it would be that kind of night for Watford. Forever hammering Birmingham, uh, but not actually uh, knocking the door down. Birmingham, to their credit, were stout in defence, very well organised for the most part. Troy Deeney, of course, in his first game for his boyhood club against the club that he had been at for nearly 12 years. Troy Deeney um, played as well as he could, had two chances, one of which Daniel Batman had to tip over the bar. 
But aside from that, Dini wasn't really heard from the way that we are accustomed to, of course, as we knew and still know and still love him. Um, uh, but thankfully, he did not do any damage against us. I was very surprised that the game was not more physical. And I am surprised that um, it, it wasn't even close to as physical as I imagined it would be. And I think a lot of that was the decision by John Eustace, again, another former Watford man, former Watford captain himself at one point, um, manager of Birmingham, who I think elected to have his team sit deep, as I said earlier, and dare Watford to break them down. Now, that 3-5-2 I thought was effective uh, in the game tonight. I liked the way that Gaspar went into right wing back and played very well indeed. A complete 180 from his performance on Friday, where I thought he was half decent. Not great. Made some very poor decisions on the ball uh, in the game. I think he was a bit nervous coming into English football, but he you can see how quickly he settled in to that right wing back position and looked very comfortable indeed going forward. Liked the way he was able to create space and width down the channels. He always made himself the outlet man uh, off a ball that could be supplied to him. He always made the pitch larger and wider um, down that right wing backside. And I think that Gaspar could be there for a bit until Watford gets some more cover, perhaps. You know, that's what I think could happen. But I think they operated very well down that right side, Watford. They also made use of the channel on the left as well. And Semmer was terrific tonight. Really liked his energy and his aptitude and his incisiveness going forward, too. I really liked the kind of damage and space he created, especially in the final third of the pitch. He was also able to hold up the ball and also uh, help in midfield when needed. Um, they all did well, I think, tonight. Uh, I think that's the difference from the game against Burnley, where Watford in the second half were really uh, very fortunate to ride out their luck and hold on to the win. Of course, it was Daniel Batten they had to thank on Friday. But I think tonight, um, I think the players played very well. It's their best performance uh, this season in any championship match, no question about it, this performance against Birmingham was that one, the best so far of these first four games. One thing I really loved is the way that uh, Chowdhury anchors that midfield. He looks very comfortable, superb performance once again from him. It is absolutely a godsend. Well, I think Watford should really try to sign this man. If Watford were to get the Premier League, especially for next season, I would like to see their first order of business be to re-sign Chowdhury or to, or to sign him because he's on loan from Leicester. Now, I don't know if Leicester would allow him to go, um, especially if Watford were to be promoted at the end of the season, simply because, of course, that would be a Premier League rival of yours or at least a fellow Premier League competitor. And you don't necessarily want to cede one of your players to that club, but it's not unprecedented that that has happened before because it has. Look, Chadri was not getting any playing time at Leicester. That's one of the big reasons why he was able to get this move to Watford. And I think that if Watford were to get promoted by season's end, and I think they will, uh, you will see, I think, a, a real push, I hope, from the Watford board to keep um, Chadri in the fold because he has worked wonders in that midfield. Even in the absence of Tom Cleverley, you really see the difference in how composed it is, how he goes for every tackle. He tries to close down the space very quickly. He shadows his uh, attacker very well. He is very stealthy in that midfield. He's got some good passing ability. He makes wise choices. He's, he brings the ball up when he needs to. He sits back when he has to. He's very well moderated in his choices of um, when to go and when to stay. 
And Chowdhury is really good, disciplined rock. He's absolutely brilliant. And uh, I can't sing his praises enough for his performance these first two games in a Watford shirt. He has been absolute gold. I would also say tonight um, that uh, Craig Cathcart did decently, did well. Espria was the person that I had my eye on. Um, he continues to astound you with his wise aptitude about how he's playing this game. Very level-headed, very calm, very very acclimated. And he's also someone with incredible energy and spirit and positivity. He loves to get forward. He loves to make things happen. He is someone who could be a creator. He is someone who is a go-getter. You know, in a way, he reminds me a little bit, a little bit. I know people talk about Ashley Young and how much they resemble each other. I get it. But I think that Espria reminds me a bit, a little bit of uh, Cucho Hernandez, who now is with the Columbus crew in the major leagues of soccer here in the United States. But I, I think that Espria reminds me a bit of Cucho Hernandez because Espria has a little bit of devil in him. You know, he's going to make things happen. He is going to go full bore and he is always going to run for you. And he is tireless and he's energetic and he's aggressive and he is fearless. And that's what Cucho Hernandez was when he was here at Watford as well. Fearless player. He would try all kinds of things. He's got a lot of ingenuity to him. Both of them are quite raw, but Espria has um, a, a really good temperament to him. And I'm not talking just about his He's cool. I'm just talking about his temperament for the game is absolutely spot on. He's an 18-year-old. I called him 19 in the last episode of this podcast. But he's 18 years of age and he wears that same number on his back. He's a Colombian first team international. He is someone who has come to the championship, second game in the championship in England. And he's taken to it like water off a duck's back. It's fantastic and it's phenomenal how Espria is doing. And long may he continue to start. This was his first start, his debut start for Watford. And I expect there'll be a debut start for him coming up on Saturday as well. Daniel Backman tonight, not quite as sharp as he had been these first two or three games. But look, you can't have your goalkeeper sharp every night. And in truth, in this game tonight, he didn't really need to be all that sharp. He, as I said, he made the saves earlier, as I mentioned, from Troy Deeney. And I uh, also had a couple of shots put straight at him. And he did make another save in the second half um, as well. But other than that, he didn't really have to. He wasn't kept that busy at all by the Birmingham players, which kind of indicates the way Watford went about this game. They should have comfortably ran out winners in this match. But as I said before um, earlier, Sometimes it just does not happen every night in the championship. And there are going to be nights like this on a cold, wet, because that's what it was in Birmingham. The rain pelted down on a cold, wet Tuesday night in Birmingham. Can you get it done? And Watford's answer to that was, yeah, we kind of did. <laughs> so that's how it went for Watford in the game tonight. After all, I think that you can be proud of the performance. As I said, best performance of the season thus far. There'll be more of this and it will get better. Watford also saw the debut of Keenan Davis, who came on later on, I think a bit too late, really, to really affect anything. He didn't really have much of a say in the game. Raymond I did, however, and on the 63rd minute, he helped 
contribute to the goal that was scored ultimately by Ken Semmer, who I think had an excellent game, his best game thus far uh, this season. Ken Semmer with a shot just inside, I think the uh, I think around 12 or 13 yards away and nestled into the bottom left-hand corner of the back of the net. And Watford got their well-deserved equaliser on the 63rd minute there. And Manai may have got a slight touch to it, but all the records show, um, all the ones I've come across anyway, that Semmer claimed the goal and Semmer has the goal. So look, it doesn't really matter which one of them scored it. It's a Watford goal. That's all we ultimately care about as Watford Football Club supporters. And all the team cares about is getting on the score sheet and kicking on from there. And so it looked as if after that 63rd minute equaliser, well deserved by Watford, after Watford trailed against a run of play with Birmingham's score in the first half, looked for all the world that Watford then would go on and kick on and win this match. They came very close in a couple of areas, but couldn't turn the screw and couldn't turn it tightly enough to finish off the job at St. Andrews, which is a tough place to play, don't get me wrong. And really the biggest chance for Watford later on in that second half was from João Pedro around the 80th minute or thereabouts, maybe a bit earlier than that, when he should have one-on-one beat the keeper. He did not. He blasted the ball well past the goal and well over, I think it was. It was a difficult night for João Pedro, although he gave 110% effort as he always does, but it just didn't come off come off for him tonight the way that it did in game number one. I think João Pedro, though, despite the slick surface and despite the fact that it just quite wasn't his day, I think he had a good game effort-wise, but he just didn't have that final finishing touch that would have given Watford, I think, something special on the night, and it would have been deserved. This is the second away game in a row where Watford had a chance to put things to bed and didn't. Ismail Assar's penalty miss in the game against West Brom last week and tonight's match where Jao Pedro pounced on a ball that was poorly distributed by the keeper for Birmingham. One-on-one, Jao Pedro just blasted it. I don't know why he did. It would have taken a bit more composure than that, but Jao Pedro snatched at it, which really is kind of a surprise to me because Jao Pedro is a bit more composed by that than that, normally more composed than that, but he was not in that instant and in that moment. And so a, a game that could have finished 2-1 to Watford ended up settling at a, as a 1-1. And look, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, it's a point that you, you take much more than you did last week because Watford didn't deserve anything like last week at West Brom. But you take this point with a bit of pride, despite the frustration of not getting all three. You have to be pleased about Watford playing much, much better in this game. Their best all-around 93 minutes plus performance this season. You like the way that from back to front they played well, composed well, um, orchestrated well couldn't finish well. That's the thing. The finishing wasn't quite there. And I'm sure Rob Edwards and Richie Carr will work with them in in a training session after they've recovered, done their recovery work and some film work, perhaps video work. I'm sure that uh, Rob Edwards will have them working on finishing um, because they really needed to do that tonight. And had they taken care of the finishing this game, we would have been able to put Birmingham out of sight tonight, but it didn't happen. And by the way, as far as I'm concerned, you know, even though Keenan Davis um, didn't really get to do very much, 
Uh, it was good to see him out there, and I'm sure that he'll get another chance. Dan Gosling also came into the game. Joseph Hungbo, I thought, was very lively in the limited time that he was on the pitch on the left side. I thought that he was very good. It's his first appearance for Watford this season. I hope it's not his last. Hungbo gives you something different, gives you a bit more physicality. He gives you the ability to run the ball up the channel really well. He did that in the game against Birmingham tonight. There was a moment where he ran about 25, 30 yards up the left side of the pitch and kept the ball, kept possession well. And you need that fluidity. And tonight was the first night of the games that Watford have played thus far, where they kept possession very well. They were very fluid in their possession. They built their possession. They established an identity on the pitch. They were able to be continuous. The continuity was very good. The passing was very good. The flow was good. And that's what you want to see. When a team sits back, you need to take advantage of those kinds of moments where you can establish yourself, get yourself better into the game, get yourself better into the formation, Use the pitch and use the width. I thought Watford used the width of the pitch very well tonight. And maybe on Saturday against Preston, they may not have this 70 plus percent possession. But nonetheless, they need to play the way they did tonight. And I know that some games are dictated differently than others. But I think if Watford go into Preston on Saturday with a purpose like this and better finishing, there could be some good days ahead. We'll see. Uh, I don't want to look too far ahead, but I will say that uh, I think tonight the substitutions were right from Rob Edwards, except for the fact that I think he put Keenan Davis on a bit too late. I think you want to start bringing in players around the 70th minute in these games. I mean, you don't want to bring them in too early, but you don't want to bring them in in 80 plus minutes. It's just too late to really affect the game. It usually takes five to 10 minutes for a player once subbed in, usually to start making an impact. Now we know Lots of occasions we've seen in football where substitutes make instant impact, where they score within half a sec, half a minute, you know, half a second, half a minute or so, make a big influential play. And yeah, you know, it happens many times where subs come on and instant impact, bam, bam, bow. You know, it could happen. You know, wow, kapow. <laughs> it could happen. It happens a lot. But in a lot of other occasions, bringing on a sub late in a game like this, it usually takes five to 10 minutes to get that player into the thick of the action for him to acclimatize himself. And Keenan Davis came in way too late to really have any meaningful impact. I don't think he even had a touch in the game on his Watford debut, but I think that will definitely change as we go forward in this season. So the final score was Birmingham 1, Watford 1. When I come back on this brand new edition of Yuan's, I'm going to be talking about Ismail Assar and Jao Pedro, but mostly Ismail Assar. That's coming up on this brand new edition of Welcome back to Yuans. I'm Omar Moore. Honours even at St. Andrews. Dini can't break the door open for Birmingham, his boyhood club. And Watford can't get the job done finishing-wise. It was indeed honours even tonight at St. Andrews between Birmingham and Watford. Watford, though, the silver lining here. They remain undefeated to start the championship season. They're in third place on eight points. 
have played well, very well in this game tonight. And don't forget, the squad is still rounding into shape. There's still two more weeks of the transfer window remaining. And that brings me to Ismail Asai. I said I'd talk a bit about him after the break. And here I am talking about Ismail Asai. And Ismail Asai, I think, could have gone at least a year plus ago from Watford. But the board did not let him go. And he stayed. He got injured. He was out for four months. He got injured in the Manchester United game, the 4-1 win back in November of 2021. Didn't come back until the game against Manchester United, I believe. And he got injured there. So, you know, it was one of them. It really was one of them for uh, Ismail Assar. Had a hamstring injury there. He's broken down a bit. Now, look, in between all of that, or I should say after that, he ended up, despite the hamstring injury, soon after going off to the African Cup. Actually, wait a minute. I should recycle this. He went to the African Cup of Nations, did well there. And look, Watford wanted to keep him from going out there. There was a whole thing around Matt. He ended up get, going out there, ended up contributing to uh, getting Senegal uh, to the World Cup with his qualifying key penalty that he took there. If only he could take penalties as good for Watford as he does for Senegal. But the point is, is that Ismail Assar has been a very mixed bag over the last year or so for Watford. He can go from the sublime to the subliminal and, and back again, and then back again to the subliminal. And he's been mostly on the subliminal end of things the last year or so for Watford. Look, I said he's been out for four months for injury last season, but he started fairly brightly this season. Not impressive, but brightly enough in the game against West Brom, that wonder goal, and, and uh, that will forever be on his resume and in his locker. But unfortunately, in that very same game, he went from that sublime moment to the subliminal of an appalling penalty. And if he does end up leaving, which it looks like he's probably going to do in the next few days, and he'll be heading to our favorite rival, Crystal Palace, well... They're the same. Hey, this is so interesting, isn't it? It's the same team that condemned us to relegation last season. It's the same team where the manager who will not be named, who was manager for us at the time, ends up glad-handing the Palace fans. And then it's bad enough you've got Will Hughes over there now, and you're going to have Saw joining him. That's what it looks like. Uh, if the reports are to be believed, and I've got no reason to disbelieve either David Ornstein or... Um, Adam Leventhal, both of them do their jobs extremely well, I might add. And both of them, I know that Adam Leventhal apparently retweeted this, but I, bo I know that both of them are, are singing from the same hymn sheet here, that Crystal Pass are opening or have opened or will open <laughs> or are, as we speak, probably are opening negotiations to deal with uh, Ismail Assar to bring him to Palace. And let me tell you something, um, he's going to go he's going to go. He's going to go. And I want the Watford board now to make sure they get some decent money for Saar. I think the Watford board made a big mistake in not letting him go a year ago. In fact, you might argue that, again, after the end of the season, the COVID season, if you will, and of course, we're still going through this pandemic, but after the so-called COVID season, as I now call it, really, um, that ended in 2020 with our relegation, uh, I think that Saar should have gone then. He had a lot of valuation at that point. Watford had just been consigned to relegation. He'd come off the uh, two sensational goals he scored against Liverpool a few months earlier in 2020, in February of that, of that year. I think Saw's upside would have been realized more heavily and more profoundly had the Watford board uh, 
let him go then and got some money out of him, but it probably got a lot more value for him then. As such, he's going to be valued down a little bit as a result. But whatever Watford can get at this point for Ismail Assar is going to be good because what you can do with that money is invest it in getting yourself another striker, perhaps. Because again, um, at least from what I saw from Bio tonight, was not overly impressed. Look, it's one game. I can't go too crazy about it. Uh, I'll give Bio a chance. We're going to say this is only his first start in English football. I'm not going to throw him out yet. Um, but as we know, you and I, the championship comes thick and fast, these games. And uh, there's a the next game coming up in a few days. So, you know, hopefully uh, Bio will improve. I expect that he will. I'm not so sure that he's going to start on Saturday, however. I think you might see Manai get a start. You might even see Keenan Davis get a start. One of those two, I think, should be getting a start. And maybe you'll even play one of them on the right side if both of them play together, Davis and Manai. But we'll all see about that when these lineups come out. Don't know if they'll actually do that to start the game with. But I do know that probably you'd like to shift. Um, you may as well start experimenting now with who leads that forward line in terms of who is the central striker. And you may as well put Keenan Davis in there. You know, he's up for it. He's really up for a scrap. He looked really eager. Saw those photos of Keenan Davis tonight. He looked very much up for it, but he was not able to get into the game, as I said, until later on. But look, in terms of the transfers, I think Watford should try to get something as much as they can from Palace uh, so that this money that comes back is dedicated to getting maybe another striker, certainly someone who can protect the right side, certainly a left-footed, left-centre-back, and you're going to get that in Courtney Hawes coming. You should expect to hear that one um, by the time Preston and Watford take uh, take the pitch, take the field on Saturday because the reports are getting stronger about Courtney Howes, and that is the left uh, sided, left-footed, left-centre-back that we desperately need at Watford. Samir, of course, has already departed. He goes to the Mexican club Tigres. And uh, we've also seen Domingos Kino on a season-long loan. I'll get to that in a minute. But the fact of the matter is, fellow Watford fans, you have now an opportunity to make some money, to get some money from Saar um, for the sale of Saar off to Crystal Palace. Look, Saar is going to want Premier League football. I've got nothing against him for that. He has just gone off the boil for a whole year now for Watford. Let's be honest with you. Let's be honest here. Let's have it absolutely right. Outside of the penalty that he did convert in the game against Millwall in 2021, where no Watford fans were present at the Vic. That was the day in April, of course, where Watford got promoted. Outside of that penalty, was the only goal of that game to beat Millwall 1-0 that day. Saar's not done much of anything. He's done the, he scored the penalty. He scored the wonder goal uh, against West Brom. And, of course, he did score after missing two penalties against Manchester United and um, had a goal or two in the game against Norwich last season in the Premier League when they played at Carrow Road and 1-3-1. So outside of those two or three uh, occasions, three or four occasions in the last year plus, Ismaila Saw has been extremely quiet. Now, I know, again, he's been injured, had been injured, but he's been very, very quiet. His confidence is shaken. And I think he's unsettled at Watford, quite frankly. I think some of that is the unsettled situation. He's unsettled. The whole thing with the African Cup of Nations, I know it happened with Dennis as well. He didn't end up going. Dennis is now gone. Saw, you know, he ended up going. And I think against the club's wishes, there was a whole to do about that. And then Saar excelled at the African Cup of Nations. And now I think he's very unsettled. I think he's very unsettled at Watford now. I think his confidence is low. There's a lot going on with him. Maybe a little bit fragile. 
Um, but the, bat, the bottom line is he wasn't fragile last week at West Brom, was he now, with that stupendous um, goal of the season. But he was fragile at West Brom, wasn't he? Because then he missed from 12 yards out with a terrible, terrible ball. It was a terrible penalty. So, look, we'll see about Saar. Uh, I think he's going to be gone. Watford have got to get a decent amount of money. But by all means, hold on to João Pedro, please. Please hold on to him. He is an extremely important player. There's so much more upside, in my view, to João Pedro than it is to Ismail Saar. I think so. I think that uh, Ismail Saar, as creative as he can be when he really has his head in the game, uh, I don't think he has the kind of upside that João Pedro does. João Pedro is a leader, and uh, João Pedro is someone who will give you 110% effort. Ismail Saar may not necessarily do that on an any given night. Um, he is very sporadic with his 100% because I, I think he's very inconsistent as a Watford player. And I think that, look, if Palace uh, won him, let him, let him, let them have him. I hate to say that about uh, Crystal Palace, but let him, let him. And I hope they pay enough money for him too. And just think how much they could have got for him a year ago. And, um, if pa- and then let's see what Patrick Vieira can do for him. I'm sure Patrick Vieira will be able to get him into shape and get him into the game, get his head in. But the fact of the matter is, is that that's what we're looking at now. Saw probably going to be gone in the next few days. It's not the end of the world if Ismail Saar is gone. But I think it would be kind of the end of the world in a degree if João Pedro left. I think that would be the end of the world. And and not just because Skeeter Davis once sang that song, but also because it could well be the end of the world. If João Pedro ended the Watford world this season, I think perhaps, perhaps, maybe a bit strong on that, but but perhaps if João Pedro goes. Newcastle um, uh, throwing in money for him at £30 million. The Watford board cannot be cheap here. They cannot be cheap. You had better make that minimum ceiling 50 million pounds. That is not an exaggeration for João Pedro. That is at least minimum the kind of entertainment bid you should be entertaining is 50 million pounds. That's the minimum bid you should entertain on João Pedro. Really, he really is that kind of a player. And if you've got Anthony Gordon, 40, 40, 45, 46, 50 million pounds, what do you think João Pedro's worth? He's worth every bit that and more. Anthony Gordon's a good player, but he ain't better than João Pedro is. Uh, I'll tell you that right now. Not even close. So, look, the board's got to be sensible here. Don't flog João Pedro at a cut rate price. You need to be pushing his valuation up. And I think João Pedro, no matter what happens, and obviously if he goes, he's gone. But I think that even if João Pedro stays, there is every indication, every possibility, I should say, that January they will come calling in the Premier League for him. I mean, he may not be here for the whole season. If he makes it through the whole season in the summer transfer window, especially if Watford are not promoted, I think he's a goner. Yeah, I think he's a goner. I think even if Watford are promoted there is a chance that he could still go. But I would hope that the board would make a really strong push to keep João Pedro and to persuade him to stay for one more season if it is in the Premier League, and I certainly hope it is for next season. Watford have a lot of transfer work to do still. I think they've been very judicious in the way they've moved thus far. There's still two more weeks and change of this transfer window here before it shuts. And Watford are going to be extremely busy the next two weeks or so. They've got a number of players, I think, that we've heard rumors about. 
certainly Courtney Hawes is uh, going to be a signing for Watford. I think that's it's not confirmed yet, but it's definitely in the process of happening. Uh, Adam Levenfall's talked about this in the last few days. It's not really a closed secret now. It's an open secret that Hawes is that left-sided, left-footed, left-centre-back that we need. And I think that Watford will be getting him very shortly. Um, but look, I, I want to talk about Domingos Kina very quickly. Domingos Kina, who I think has had his talent and potential completely squashed by Watford here, um, is now in the wilderness at Watford. He's in the Watford wilderness. He now goes to Elche for a season-long loan. He's off again. Uh, and uh, I just think now... Uh, the jig is up now for Watford and for Domingos Kina, who in the 2018-19 season has enjoyed some sporadic time in the Watford midfield. He scored against Cardiff, I think it was, at one point, or Huddersfield, either one of those or both. He, I think he had an impact in the game in the Carling Cup back in 2018 when Watford were defeated against Tottenham at NK Dons. Remember when what, Tottenham Stadium wasn't ready yet, so they had to play the game at NK, NK Dons. Remember that? And um, Javi Gracia was the manager. And I think Domingos Kina did fairly well in the few times he played Premier League football and, and uh, Carabao Cup football. But to, to keep this guy in the wilderness like this for two or three seasons, it doesn't do good for him. It's not good for the club. It's not a good look. It's not a good fit. You know, I like his attitude in the sense that he has kept a big smile on his face despite being marooned and anchored to the bench. Yes, there's been some discipline problems with Kina, but look, again, not to make any excuse for him, I don't wish to. Um, you're 20, 22 years old. You are still young and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to have indiscretions. There are people who are a lot older than him who have lots of indiscretions uh, and, uh, and they haven't learned from them. And Domingos Kina, I think, will learn. Um, and I think he's got a lot of potential and we've seen spots of it, flashes of it. But again, Watford doing what they've done a lot with a lot of players, put them out to pasture and squash the potential of these players and end up having to sell them for a song or send them, uh, get them on loan uh, and put them on loan. It's just not good. I think they've got to change the way they're doing things with, with that Watford because, again, it's another good player who had potential. Pontus Dalberg, the goalkeeper, didn't have much time at Watford. He's now gone permanently. You know, I mean, things like this, you just kind of shake your head out. It's frustrating. I want to see Keener play football with Watford, but the reality is I don't think he'll be ever playing another game for the Watford first team again, and he'll probably be off uh, in the offseason next season. But that really is all in terms of the transfers at the moment and what you might be able to expect. There may be a surprise or two that we are not aware of, but you never know. We will see and stay tuned for that. And don't forget, Watford women are soon to start their season. I am excited about it. Look forward to talking about them during the course of this season. They will start life in the league that they were relegated to at the end of last season. They will, uh, I think on the 23rd, if I'm not mistaken, that's a week from tonight, actually. They will be playing their first game of the season. It will be against Gillingham. They will be at Wheelstone's Grosvenor Vale ground to host that match against Gillingham. Get your tickets now. Head to uh, the Twitter at Watford FC Women. And you can head to the Watford FC website and get tickets as well. Uh, buy tickets. Support the Golden Girls, please. Um, it's very important that you do. Heck, if I was in the UK right now, I would buy a season ticket for them. Certainly would uh, go or at least go to as many games as possible because some of these games are going to clash 
with the men's team's games. But I do, I would be supporting the Golden Girls if I was out there. And um, I hope that if you are in Watford or anywhere else in England, then you are of a Watford persuasion that you do take some time out of your busy life to visit the Golden Girls and support them and, and cheer them on in their matches because they need our support. All of us need to get behind the Golden Girls and support Watford FC women. I really would like to see that happen. So let's get behind the lasses, if you will. Get behind the ladies and get behind the girls and support this football that they're playing. And uh, let's get them back into the championship, shall we? Don't forget to follow yours truly, on Twitter, at WFC, Also on Instagram, at WFC. I will continue to do the post-match on Twitter Spaces and the post-match on Instagram Live. The quizzes will continue. Watford FC quizzes. I will continue to do those as well. There's been a one or two winners of the last week or two, which is good. Congratulations. You know who you are, and well done. The prizes will be on their way to you over the next few weeks, so please be patient with that. Also, the Golden Giveaway, Watford Giveaway, will be coming back again in the very, very near future. There will be a release of the third kit, and it will be Instagram only this time on the giveaway. So if you are not on Instagram uh, please get on Instagram. And if you are on Instagram but have not followed Yawns WFC on Instagram, please do so now because this giveaway of the next jersey, the third shirt for Watford, the men's third shirt, is going to be Instagram only. I'm going to be putting the information on Instagram only when the time comes. It's not even going to be on the Twitter account at Yawns WFC at all. So make sure that you get yourself an Instagram account if you don't have one and follow Yawns WFC on Instagram. Thank you very much indeed for that and for your support if you have already done so. And the You Orns WFC YouTube channel is yours to subscribe to right now. So please subscribe to it. It'd be great to have your support. For those of you who have subscribed to it, thank you very much indeed for doing so. Really appreciate your support. And of course, the You Orns podcast as well. Subscribe now, please, to it on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Greatly appreciate your support. And finally, for news and views and match reports, don't forget to visit youornswfc.wordpress.com. Again, the final score tonight was Birmingham 1, Watford 1. Troy Deeney getting a nice hand from the Watford fans as he clapped them off when he was departing the field when he was subbed off and he subbed and he also clapped off the Birmingham fans as well. It was a real love end tonight, really. Troy Deeney was admired and cheered by both sets of supporters, as you would completely understand. The atmosphere was great. Watford fans really got into it once again, really got involved. And boy, they were much louder than the Birmingham fans. They absolutely ran that place tonight, the Watford fans. And fair play to them, the Watford faithful always making us proud. And thank you, by the way, to each and every one of you as Watford supporters who took the trip, made the trip to St. Andrews tonight and uh, put your hard-earned money on the line and uh, went to see that match that ended up Birmingham 1, Watford 1. Safe travels. I hope you all got back safely. Be well and get ready for Preston this coming Saturday. The final score once again, Birmingham 1, Watford 1. Until next time, I'm Omar Moore. And there'll be another edition of Yawns, of course, coming very soon. And until then, you...